I'm Stuart Brooking, I'm one of the elders here. Now we're officially taping, it can sound far more sensible. I'm going to be speaking on this idea of, uh, that we're following through the Emotionally Healthy Church. The, it, the springboard is this book called, uh, surprisingly, The Emotionally Healthy Church. And it is in a series of a whole bunch of the emotionally healthy this, that and the other. And they are quite good. And the aim of it is to help people think about their own lives, their own experiences, um, to do it in community, to talk to other people about it. Uh, I'm not going to touch on the sort of the themes that are here. I didn't see there's much point in me going through what was here. But I do encourage people to, um, to get the book and to have a look through some of the things. And I think you'll find that quite helpful. Uh, and the podcast is available, as uh, Andrew mentioned. Uh, so please do that. What I wanted to do was sort of give a, a, a kind of a bigger picture thinking about how we get healthy, how we get healthy individually and how we get healthy, healthy as a church. And I've tried to think we're in a very individualistic society, so I've called it healthy church, healthy me. And I could have just as easily called it healthy me, healthy church. And that's actually the point of what I'm trying to say, is as we get healthier, the church get he- gets healthier. As the church gets healthier, we get healthier. And there is, there is an obvious interaction between those two. Not always, sometimes things mess up, but there's obviously an interaction between those two things. And uh, so that's what I want to explore. Now, first of all, I'd like you to put your thinking caps on, and then I'd like you to call out intelligent or semi-intelligent or just vague ideas that you have around what do you think would make a church healthy? Now, what would be the signs of a healthy church? That's more I want. If, if you looked at a church, you went, that's a healthy thing. That church there. What would be some of the things? So just I'll play some music, thinking music. Alrighty. Dum 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 dum. Andrew. Uh, a church that is praying. A church that is praying. That is a healthy sign. Yeah. What else? Stable leadership. Stable leadership. Good. Able to help those in need. Helping people in need. Yeah. Communication between leadership and congregation. Good communication between leadership and congregation. Yep. Sorry? Love and forgiveness. Love and forgiveness in the church, yeah. Dum 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 dum. Deals with conflict well. Deals with conflict well, yep. Bible is preached. Bible is preached. Sin is acknowledged and repented of. Sin is acknowledged and repented of. Say that again. Where there aren't people burning out. Where there aren't people burning out, yep. I reckon if we had a little more time, we'd come up with lots more things. But they're all obviously, we know what it looks like to have a healthy church. And we can see the things that would be a not healthy church. Uh, there, would be, there would be care for all the different members. There would be reaching out to others. There would be openness to people and their differences. There would be a, an acknowledgement of who Christ is in your midst. Uh, all those sorts of things. We'd come up with lots and lots of things. I think we've got it. So I'm not going to tell you all that stuff, but I am going to dive in and look at some of the ways the apostle, Paul, talks to us about that. But the first thing I want to get is this concept that the, the health of the church and the health of me, you, each one of us, is going to be linked. And there, it can sometimes be broken. There can sometimes be, you can be in a healthy place in the church as a mess, or vice versa. But on the whole, a healthy church creates a healthy me, and a healthy me contributes to a healthy church. That's my first point. I then want to look at uh, how we can 
get there more healthy in negative terms? What negative things can we notice? And then I want to look at the positive things that we can be looking at. So that's where we're going. Unhealthy leaders, unhealthy church members lead to the unhealthy church. It's got to be like that, hasn't it? It's impossible to think that you can have all these dysfunctional people who are, who are not living for God and you have a good church. Yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine how you could think of such a thing. And you can have an unhealthy church and that's obviously going to impact on people. They, they, they become lies within the community. There becomes a, an unreality. There becomes a loss of focus on Christ. That, that unhealthiness is just so tragic and easy to say, yeah, that's how it's going to play out. And the, the healthiness, you know, when you have a healthy church, it, it's not a therapy place. Church is not therapy, but, but it is a therapeutic place, church. You know, when you actually have a church which is, is being healthy and uh, is, is doing things that build up the lives of other people, that impacts the people. That actually makes a difference. And when you have exemplars of people, people who are doing stuff that is for the Lord, in all, not, I don't just mean sort of conquering the next mountain, but, but living in a healthy, good way. And you see that, it's contagious. It's, con it's much easier to be a, a, a disciplined, focused Christian person when you're in a bunch of friends who are doing the same thing. And when they're encouraging you and you encourage them. It's much easier to, to be drawn in and use your gifts when others around you are using their gifts. That's just always the way it's going to be. And so there is this very close relationship between how healthy the church is and how healthy I am, you are. Our passage, you might like to uh, have a little look. It's just, I could have picked one of a dozen passages for the same kind of uh, concept. You know, this is the Apostle Paul writing in Ephesians uh, towards the end of chapter 4. And um, he gives a few hints as to what this looks like. And it's, it's just a lovely little list. So verse 25, he says, chapter 425, he says, put off all falsehood. That's a great idea, isn't it? Get rid of falsehood. Speak truthfully. I reckon you want to be in that place. That, that's a group of people you want to hang out with. True speaking people. People who are not deceitful, not saying stuff one day and really doing another thing the next. It's an attractive thing. You see, the individual action is going to lead to an ethos within the life of the church. You get lots of people speaking the truth, you end up in a really good place as a group. Verse 26, control your anger so you don't sin. And notice the link there to the group. If you're walking around and you're actually controlling your anger, you're not likely to offend very many people, are you? You're not likely to set up little junctures of, of angst in the life of the group. Verse 27, he says, if you're not working, start working. Why? Not just because we have this kind of economic driver that's good for our society, although I suppose that'll help the society, but, but it's actually so you can be generous. See the, the transformation of who you're going to be as a person? A person hanging around doing nothing versus a person who is actually, I want to be generous with what I can do. I want to go and earn money and that I can impact other people's lives for good. That's an amazing change in the way people function. Verse 29, he says, no unwholesome talk should be there. Rather, what you say should be building people up. What a, what a transformation that is in a person's life. And what a difference it makes. If you have a group of people and people are just dissing each other all the time or denigrating each other all the time, 
And you compare that to a group of people who are walking around thinking, how can I something, say something that will actually encourage that person, build them up in their life? What a beautiful thought that is. And what a different group of people you get. I can think back to different youth groups that I've been a part of <laughs> a long time ago, dredging up the memories. And where you had people who were not converted, not focusing on Christ, and were not speaking wholesomely, that was actually denigrating to the group and denigrating to individuals. Tragically, I can think of ways I've contributed into that negatively. But when you have a group of people who are speaking good to each other, how beautiful that is, how, how life-affirming and how encouraging it is for everybody in the group. Verse 30, he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander. Whew, be good to get rid of that stuff. Get rid of the malice. That's the other one he lists. And notice what he says, and instead be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another. People who commit themselves to that make such an impact in the life of the church. Now, it would be very easy to read through this list that Paul puts and the several others you could point to, his writing and the other apostles. It would be very easy to point to this and go, oh, it's just a list of rules. You know, it's just kind of constrained. But imagine the, the actual thing he's saying here, how he wants you to be. He wants you to be a light-hearted, happy individual. That's what he's after. He wants you to be in a community of people who are good and loving and caring and strengthening of each other's lives. That's worth noting. And when we make individual commitments to do that, we end up with a very different group. And that group then feeds back into us. Healthy church, healthy me, healthy me, healthy church. It would also be um, possible to look at a list like this and think it's just all very individual. You know, all the stuff you've got to do is, you know, God wants you to be this, Christian, individual. No, 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 not at all. Because just about for everyone he mentions, there is an immediate corporate group uh, uh, interaction and, and impact. You stop doing this and you start making a difference in other people's lives. That's the idea. This is so relationally bound up. Very easy to think about the Christian life as just me and I'm doing stuff and it's how I'm thinking and I'm praying and doing. But no, no, this is about the group, about us interacting in the group in that way. The apostles uh, have list after list like this. In fact, we could have read on for several more verses that Paul says just in this little run. They've got an image of what they imagine church could be. Paul has got this idea that, you know, society could be different. Each individual and each group of people could be living a very different life from how they typically will live outside of Christ. And what they want is for us to experience the thrill, the joy, the pleasure, the goodness, sometimes the difficulty, but the goodness of that experience to be in a healthy church. The, the Bible ideas, uh, there's a couple embedded in this section that we read, but there are lots of others as well. In this passage, um, he referenced the Spirit of Christ. What, what, what kind of people are these people? The ones that have the Spirit of Christ in them. And not just individually, there are passages that say that. This one's actually talking about a being in us. Being in us, the Spirit of God is in our midst, and therefore we live this kind of life. And we get to therefore experience the good stuff of God's Spirit in us. He talks about in uh, chapter 4, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. 
It's like we've got this seal on us. It's a great seal. It's a seal that says you're God's. And, and as a group, God's people, you are God's people. And that is, that is a, an affirming and lifting thing. It lifts us up and says we are a different thing when God is in our midst. And in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Follow God's example as dearly loved children. There's a motivator right there. God's family, God's child, God the king of the universe, we're his child. That's the kind of motivator in this passage. You can look at other passages. It'll, it'll talk about the body of Christ, Soma, the body of Christ, the kingdom of Christ. Uh, is, you could talk about being in, uh, under God's rule. These are the sorts of uh, language. Another motivator often is because Christ will return. The coming kingdom says we want to get ready for the kingdom. There's judgment for those who are not ready. We want to get ready for the kingdom and live. So it's a shorter step from this earth onto, into heaven. The kind of life and experience that we'll have. That's the idea. Get ready for Christ's return. And so what we have is a very close link between how I'm functioning and how the group is functioning. How the group is functioning and how I'm functioning. I want to do next now, uh, ask ourselves, how is it we can move more towards that? Because that's the point of these passages. One of the things that um, might be a bit counterintuitive, but I want you to notice the negative. Actually, that's one of the things in this book that he's doing, is notice the negative stuff in your life. What's going wrong? That's a guide for how you can fix things, what you've got to work through. But notice the negative in yourself and in your church. Um, use the problems, use the times you get it wrong to think through, why did that happen? How did that go? How do I do it better? When you are angry, what do you do with that anger? Um, typically in the middle of the anger, it's very hard to control and think through and be rational. Unless you get experience at it. Typically what we do is it's the next day or that night or something, or when a friend points it out to us, that we actually get the opportunity to think it through. Use those times. Don't run away from them. Gosh, I was angry. Why did I get so angry? What's going inside for me that I got so angry at that other person? That becomes a real trigger for you to grow as a person. It's very easy when you get angry, for example, just to dwell on it, just to sit with it, just to go, ah, oh, justify myself. Look what they did. No, I'm not as angry. You know, I'm going to be angry. Well, no, not everyone is when that stuff happens. Rather, we ought to use that as a time to assess ourselves and say, what, what is it I can do differently next time? What is it that was motivating? What do I need to think through, pray through, be different about? One of the things I've noticed with friends and with married people is that they often reinforce each other's sin. Uh, sometimes that's not the case. Thankfully, praise the Lord, one of the great opportunities in uh, marriage or in close friendships is that you'll have people speak into your life and it will allow you to grow and change. But sometimes you get uh, a married couple, I've seen this uh, many times, is that they'll reinforce their opposition to the outsider. Oh, my wife's been hurt by someone. Oh, they're a bad person. I fell into this trap myself once, many, many years ago, not with my wife, but with a friend. We were both leading youth group. He was the leader. I was one of the assistant leaders. And some of the other assistant leaders were bagging out the leader, my friend. And uh, we built up between us over a few weeks this kind of negativity towards the other guys. And I remember sitting in the car. My friend was driving. We came and we pulled up to the church. And I was, oh, and these guys are going to be here. And my friend, who had started this negativity, turned to me and said, Stuart, that's the wrong thing, that wrong attitude. I said, hang on. I was only kind of backing up you. And you were the one that started it. And I repented. Because that didn't help. How does it help to reinforce negativity? Even when you think you're being a friend by doing so. 
there are many lessons to learn in this area. Notice the negativity in other people. Um, not that you might be critical, that's completely against the idea here, but that you might be a true friend and warn and speak to rebuke a person and to confront their sin. Now that can go terribly wrong, can't it? You know, some people have the, um, the, the spirit of uh, complaint and the, the gift of uh, criticism. Uh, no such things in the Bible. It can be very misused, but it also is incredibly valuable. And I say to you that it's only been the last 15, 20 years of my life that I've really started to understand how important this is and to overcome within me the fear of speaking out against other people's sin. To speak out as a friend, lovingly, to help them grow and change. I wish someone had taken me aside in my teen years, 20s, especially when I was in church leadership in my 20s, and said, Stuart, you need to have this skill. You need to have this care. You need to work through the stuff of yourself so that you're no longer afraid. I wish that had happened. I could have been a much more effective minister in many, many ways, a better friend, and cared for people more. Uh, some of our personalities do run a mile, that was me. And it's still not easy for me to stand up to someone and say, you know, I think this is the wrong thing. I see a sin here. Let's work on it together. I'm praying for you. To do it as a friend, not as a kind of beast attacking them. Oh, oh you've got a problem. Um, and if that is your temptation to avoid, then I want to encourage you to go through that, get through it. Because the church needs you, your friends need you, to be better at this. And it, built within even this passage, you know, there's this little verse in verse 30 where it says, you, part of the way you work through this stuff is that you might be compassionate towards each other. So when you actually follow the Bible, it doesn't get out of control. To be more compassionate towards others. Say, so yes, you've sinned, brother, sister, friend. Yes, you've sinned, and, and it is wrong, and I want to name it, and I want to have compassion on you, and I want to work with you and be with you. Not I'm standing up here and I've seen you bad person there. A very different attitude. But use these negative experiences that we have within ourselves and within our churches, within our gospel communities. We need to be able to notice things that are not right and name them. And we need experience and practice and guidance and kindness and gentleness and compassion when we name them, but we need to name them. When something doesn't look right in the life of the church, your gospel community, you need to name it. I wish I had been better at this. I think back when I was, the first time I was in a uh, parish uh, ministry, I was an assistant in the church, and I just noticed in the youth group there was too much hugging. People were just too, hu too huggy all the time. And I said to the youth worker, I said, there's too much hugging going on here. You know, it's all in the name of, well, we're Christian, we're brothers and sisters, isn't this lovely, it's great. I just thought, well, what if you were a young woman there and you didn't want to be hugged quite so much and everybody's walking around hugging? I mentioned it to him and uh, he just looked at me a bit bemused. Tragically, I found out three or four years later, I'd left the church by that, moved on to another place, uh, that he had been abusing young women in the church. This is... This was just too obvious at one level and yet too clouded at another. It was too dressed up in being something other. And I wish I had been clearer. I wish I had talked to more people about it. And it may have been a great assistance to the people who were then subsequently abused and to the young man himself who was uh, failed in this way. Sinned so greatly against so many. 
when we see things that are not right, small or big, we need to have the courage, we need to work it through, we need to do it carefully, and we need to name it. So use the negative things in yourself, in other people, and more broadly in the life, the way things are functioning. And we're a healthier church because of it, and we're healthier people because of it. Well, now I want to think more positively. How do we do it in a positive sense? How do we work towards more positive me, more positive church, interacting? The thing I want to push, we can look at the positive things, and we did some of that earlier, didn't we? We could look at a positive life in ourselves, things good that other people we can copy and the church. But I want to focus more on the positive of Christ himself and this vision that is in the scriptures of what the church is. There is an ideal, you see, that God holds out to us. And the apostles, uh, like we've just read, they hold out to us for a good place to be, for good relationships. And there's an ideal. God calls us into it. We're the ones who are called into that life. And my hope is that that ideal can draw us on to better things as, as individuals and as a church. It is possible, you see, within the life of a church to become apathetic. Uh, we become too individualized. I'm just going to do my stuff and I'll show up from time to time and, you know, I'll contribute a bit. If somebody asks me, I'll say, sure, yeah, that's okay. Uh, but I won't actually really commit to the lives of those people. That's possible. It's possible to become cynical. You know, we get bruised and beaten up and stuff is hard in churches sometimes. It's possible to become cynical. Ah, that's hopeless. I'll just, you know, I'll be a part. I'll put my name down. But, but. It's possible, too, to get burnt out. Uh, somebody mentioned that earlier. It's possible to just do too much stuff, have the wrong perspective, not have a refreshed heart in Christ. And you get burnt out in the, the ministry or the activity that you're doing. And it's possible to become isolated as well. You're there, but you're not there. You don't have the friends on the way, you know, the journey idea. You don't, you don't have those Christian people who are speaking into your life that you care for, that they care for you. It's possible to live all those lives and still be a part of a church. But my hope is that this sermon will encourage you to be refreshed in this, to think differently about it, to, to look forward to that image. Wouldn't it be lovely to be more and more in that church that God wants? And we see glimpses of it. We see it functioning here. We see some different moments in our, our Christian life. It's a beautiful thing. But more, more of that to be a healthy person in a healthy church and, and to be on that journey together is just such a joy. Helping others around, reaching out beyond ourselves, uh, sacrificing ourselves when it's an appropriate thing to do. Uh, drawing others in because what we're doing is that, that's a good place, that is a healthy place to be. That is a place like, well, it's got the whiff of God and his spirit there. That's the point. And notice it is uh, that we're on a journey here. It, this is a thing that we, we keep growing and changing. We confront new difficulties, new things coming up, up, against, it, uh, up against us, and we have to work that through. And we'll keep correcting the journey we're taking because we learn new stuff. Someone will come up with, hey, we do need to pray more. Okay, well, we better pray more. Why do we forget that? Well, we're going to learn about that. Or somebody's got discovered a new insight to mission or, there, or there's some new opportunity has come up. Well, let's get on board with that. Well, we better go and do that thing. That's a good thing. Or we see some need in, in individuals or in ourselves, some need that may, can be met. 
Okay, well, let's resource ourselves to meet that need. That's the kind of conversation that will be on, on our journey. And the thing to notice is that it, it is such a wonderful and inspiring thing to be in church like that because it, there is this reflexive reality. It's healthy me, it's healthy church. It's healthy church, it's healthy me. It actually energizes us to be in a healthy church. And as we're energized, we contribute all the more and grow and develop that thing. So even when we're up against hard stuff, we have resource as a group of people together to face that, to work it through. The healthier the church, the healthier we are. The healthier we are, the healthier the church. That's the vision. Not 100%, not always going to work, mostly it will. And so my encouragement for you today is to think through, how do I grow personally? How do I contribute more? How do I pray and give to the lives of the people around me so that we are like what the apostles have in mind for us? Showing Christ's spirit. Showing it to ourselves, energizing ourselves and demonstrating just how good God is. One of the, the lovely uh, pictures earlier in the book of Ephesians that Paul wrote was how the church would be such a bizarrely wonderful place that it would demonstrate to all of the cosmos how clever God is. There was the specific issue of Jews and Gentiles getting on together. And the idea is if they could get on together, then God has overcome such a barrier, anything else is possible. <coughs> That's who God wants us to be. We have a little time to pray now. My uh, suggestion is that we might get just into small groups. If you're not up for that, that's fine. Just sit and quietly meditate or listen and say amen at the end or don't even say amen at the end. Just, uh, just take part as, as much as you'd like. But in groups of three or four or five, whatever is comfortable, shuffle some chairs around and just pray about some of this stuff. Um, pray about yourself and your own engagement in church. Pray about our church. Give thanks for the healthiness that is there and pray that we be even more healthy. Pray that we demonstrate what it is to be a place with God's spirit in us. I'm going to lead with prayer and then if you're just in your little groups, uh, continue on, shuffle around it. Let's do that. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word. Thanks for the apostles and their desire for us to have this better life, to show Christ's spirit within us, to live as uh, following his example, to be in his rule and in his body. Help us with that, Father, so that we can uh, experience the joy of it and uh, to, to know the healthiness of that life. We pray for your peace to be upon us and that we would experience it in its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen.